Hello, beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why? Or I want to change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions. And that's why we started this podcast. It's called Career Gems for the Journey. And we hope that as you listen, you'll discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy, and I wear many hats. I'll tell you about three of them. I'm an engineer by trade, a career coach, and an entrepreneur, all while working to stay happily married and raise three children. And my name is Ama Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all, and we're here to share some authentic stories, key successes, and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, hello, beautiful people. It is so great to be back. This discussion is going to be such a banger. I was preparing for it and I was just getting excited. Like, oh man, I got to put some stuff away. It's too much. Like it's, it's too much. I don't want the people to miss anything. I want to give them all of the gems, but at the same time, I got to make sure that people can digest this so that they can put the gems that we drop in this episode into action. So let me just get right into it. My name is Leah Murphy. I am the CEO of Career Gems for the Journey, where we help talented professionals build thriving careers. And I'm really excited to be able to close out this four-part series where we're talking about performance reviews. So we are at the end of the calendar year, and a lot of organizations do performance review on a calendar year cycle. But this content is going to be applicable, whether or not you are in the midst of your performance review process right now, whether the performance review or appraisal process is happening real time, or if you're preparing for the one that's coming up whenever it is, because we all know it's coming. So it is exciting to be a part of this conversation because this is so substantive. And I wish I would have had so many of these gems when I was earlier on in my career, um, because I think that it would have made a difference in my ability to um, level up compensation wise, and also to conserve energy where it was appropriate. So I know we didn't get into a lot of energy conservation in those kinds of discussions, but we're going to touch on it today. So welcome back for those who have been with us for the entire series, or if you've just been able to catch part of it. If you haven't been with us for the entire series, but you're like, what is she talking about performance review wise? Go back and listen to the previous episodes. We've gone through three different scenarios and given some really rich examples of performance review instances and things that have happened. And I want to make sure that you guys know for a fact, these examples have come from people who I've direct coached or directly from my own experience firsthand in delivering over a hundred performance reviews uh, and receiving uh, 15 to 20 performance reviews myself. So it's super, super real. So I wanted to make sure we thought about um, last week we covered performance reviews as a ranking process. And I got, I mean, I can't even tell y'all. <laughs> like, I got so much feedback on like, I knew it was a ranking process. The organization you know, said that that's not what it is. I'm here to give you all of my experience and to make sure that you understand that there are things that are, you know, happening above our heads in organizations, right? So it is a ranking process. And that's why the ranking process 
is good to understand because then you can understand how it's connected to compensation, right? If you understand that people who rank higher get better resources, get better compensation in the performance review process, then you know how to move going forward from there. Now, that doesn't mean that there is not intrinsic complications, bias, misinformation, all of that that happens in the performance review process. We know that it's human driven. So when humans are involved, we know that there is all kinds of things that can come into the equation. My goal with this series is to really prepare you to think about your performance appraisal process from an employee standpoint. And from this end, how do you show up and put your best foot forward so that you can then leverage the benefit and the value that you've brought to the organization and you can ask for whatever it is that you believe you deserve. So I'm just checking my notes here to make sure that we cover everything because it's so deep. So when I say, we said last week that we wanted to talk about, is it worth it for that differential performance? Is it worth it for you to be at the top of the heap? I just mentioned getting additional compensation and resources. And I want us to decide on what the answer is at the end. I'll give you a little backstory. I have sat in every level of the performance appraisal process. I have gotten a does not meet performance. I've gotten lots and lots of meets performance. And I've also gotten exceeded expectation multiple times. So I understand that there are justifications and leverage that each one of those rankings give to me, even if it's a does not meet expectations for the year. And let me be honest, I did not realize at the time that I got a does not meet performance review that it was actually a gift. I was so in my feelings at the time that it happened because I was young. I was really early in my career and really eager to get to the opportunity to be able to grow and get promoted and make more money and prove to people that I had the capability and I could be the kind of leader that they want me to be. Does that sound familiar to any of you? As someone who had been an overachiever and done well in school, I got into corporate and thought the same signals that I got around my educational performance and things like that, that I was going to get that same kind of positive feedback when I went to corporate. Because like, why not? Record scratch. Not so, right? The calculations are different. The priorities were different. And I had to learn that lesson early on in my career that getting a does not meet performance review is something that may happen. And it doesn't mean that you're not capable as a leader. What it meant for me at that time was I wasn't focused on what the company cared about. I was delivering results. I was helping people. I was doing projects, all kinds of things, lots of activity, lots of movement, but no actual results to speak of. So what that taught me in getting a does not meets performance review is that if I'm going to put in the work and I'm going to put in the effort, it has to be aligned with what the company cares about, not just this passion project or not just this, you know, helping people out because I'm a for-profit entity. My household is a for-profit entity. We go to work in order to get compensated for the work that we do or the value that we bring to the organization. So me getting a does not meet helped me to realize I need to make sure that 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 alignment is clear on the upfront. And if there are things that are non-promotable tasks or things that are nice to have, that those things come after my absolutely need to have things that need to get done from an objective performance standpoint, because that's what the company cared about. 
And the company is also ultimately the one making the decision as to whether or not my compensation goes up or stays flat. So first hot take, getting a does not meet performance review sometimes is exactly the wake up call that we need to make sure that we're not giving all our time and energy inside of the company to work that is not valuable for the company, to work that's not being tracked, to work that may be considered non-promotable tasks, and that ultimately are, is not going to get create a position of leverage for us. Let that sit for a minute. So if you've gotten a does not meets performance review or whatever the equivalent is for your organization, allow it to be a wake up call. Allow it to be a reminder that you go to work in order to provide for your family, for your life. I was going to say something else. You go to work as a for-profit entity. We're going to work for organizations, for companies in order to get paid appropriately, right? And I'm talking about total compensation pay, which we're going to get into a little bit more. So when I say that differential performance, it is important to make a decision consciously. Do I want to do a meets kind of performance year? And I'm putting in that work. I'm going to get a meets. I'm going to be satisfied with that. I'm going to see the compensation that goes along with it. Or do I want to really put in what seems like an over and above kind of commitment to delivering even better results in the organization anticipated I would be able to deliver? And if so, why am I making that choice, right? I want you to all know it is a choice. It is your choice. So many of us have had careers that are based on always motoring at a really, really high level and companies have gotten really conditioned to expect that motoring at the high level and looking to be really competitive and using performance review processes and these labels of meets, does not meets, or exceeds has a direct impact on the way that you see yourself or has a direct impact on your own emotional perception, right? If I do not meet my expectations, does that mean that I'm not a great leader? Does that mean that I'm not smart? Does that mean that I'm not capable? Does that mean that I shouldn't stay at this company? Does that mean my peers are better than me? I've asked myself these questions. I've had clients that have come to the same place of like, maybe I'm not a good fit. But ultimately, what I really want to encourage us to think about is performance reviews are not a measure of who you are capability-wise. Performance reviews are a measure of did you deliver what the company asked you to deliver? Hard stop. So if we can keep that perspective inside of the office, inside of our virtual or real office, that performance reviews measure specifically, did I meet the expectations that the company had for me? Not who I am as a person, not am I talented, am I brilliant, not do I add value to the world in other ways. The two don't align. So I want to make sure we keep performance reviews at work. They are a work product and they are a matter often of are you aligned with what the organization believes you need to be aligned to? And if not, take a pause and get aligned or take a pause and plan to do something else. Don't let performance review and feedback that you may have gotten at work about a work performance relative to work projects drip into other areas of your life and impact the, your perception of yourself. That is something I am so passionate about in a holistic well-being mindset way. Let performance reviews stay at work and let it be a reminder to you to be aligned to what the company or organization has for you to do, not who you are as a person. Let's just decouple those things off the top. So 
lots of people are going to have big feelings about that because performance reviews are using basically to give you a merit increase. They're often used to give you a merit increase. So let me set the scene. Language around merit increase is a, you put in a certain amount of effort and for that effort, we will give you additional base salary compensation. So in this scenario, we're talking about, you've done a great job. You're about halfway into the year. You're feeling good about your performance and what's happening. And now you're gonna take a minute to just pause and take a lay of the land. What's happening in the organization? Where am I at performance wise? And as I am performing and working in the organization, let me just get a lay of the land so I make sure that I know what benefits or what strategies that I'm gonna use so that I can leverage the performance review process. So we said there's a three tier kind of standard ranking process does not meet, meets or exceeds expectations. And in this scenario, we're saying you are currently exceeding your expectations. You have your objectives, your objectives are rocking. You're, you're knocking it out of the park on a consistent basis. Your peers, you're getting great feedback from your cross-functional partners, from your peers, you are delivering. Now you have a chance to say, what do I want from the organization for over-delivering? Because if you're over-delivering and not asking for anything, my question to you is, why are you over-delivering? And I'm serious. Why are you over-delivering if it's not strategically to long-term position you well for whatever your ask is of the organization in the future? So you're doing well. You're excited. You're feeling proud of yourself. The energy is high. And I have a client specifically who came to me with this example. Energy is high, getting great feedback. Her peers are sending her emails to say, this is fantastic. You know, I don't know what we would have done without you. You're such a valuable asset to the team, so on and so forth. Her manager is coming back to her to say, oh my goodness, I couldn't do this work. I'm so glad that you were available to do it. I didn't even realize you had these additional skill sets. You're such a valuable asset to the team, right? This language is exceeding expectation language. And as you're hearing that language, now it's time for you to ask yourself a question. What do I want or what am I positioning myself for by performing at this level? Because what you're often positioning yourself for is additional compensation, promotions, special projects, getting on the short list. And the short list is that list of people who get to have whatever is the best and brightest and most desirable in your organization at that time. So if you're exceeding expectations, that's a get on the short list for the best next opportunity year that you're having. So I wanna make sure if that is who you are and that's where you are, I wanna make sure you're thinking about it this way. And my client and I had to have the discussion of, Let's be clear, what is your ask? The organization is going to continue to give you more work. Once they know what you're capable of, once they understand what skills you have, then the next year, the bar just gets raised. That's the reality of the situation. The bar just gets raised. So the expectation now is that you're going to, this is your new floor. So you've overperformed, you've overdelivered. Now that's the floor. And they expect you to do that year over year and to continue to perform at that capacity. So when that happens, and the conversation I had with my client was, when that year happens and you're over-delivering, you're exceeding expectations, that's the year that you have the most leverage to be able to negotiate for additional compensation. So I want you to start thinking, boom, I'm ready. 
I'm having a banner year. The performance is exceptional. Let me check in on company performance. My individual performance is exceptional. Let me check in on company performance. And we talked about that in the last live. You have to think about your performance and company performance as you decide when the most ideal time for you to negotiate is. So if you're in that top tier exceeding expectations and the company is also performing well, that is an ideal scenario for you to negotiate for additional compensation. But let me back up because I mentioned inflation a little bit earlier. When you are going through performance appraisal process, normally organizations are going to give you a merit increase, which is a standard increase that is given across the entire organization. So if you are in a low ranking, if you're at a does not meets, if you're at a meets, if you're at a exceeds, there are numbers that the managers and leaders have been given to say, this is where you can compensate people within this range, considering their performance appraisal process. Now we're getting into the gems. Please make sure you share this. This is where you can compensate people based on where you put them in the performance appraisal process. So I'll give you an example. If you do not meet expectations, your performance appraisal merit increase could be, that means you would get a 2% increase on your base salary. If you meet expectations, your performance appraisal could be, in this example, between 3 and 4%. So you would get a th between 3 and 4% increase on your base salary. If you exceed expectations, your merit increase could be a 4.5 to 5.5%. That means you'll get a 4.5 to 5.5% merit increase on your base salary. Now, what you just heard was essentially the difference between 2% and five and a half percent. Now at 2%, you did not meet expectations. So it's time to realign, it's time to recalibrate. At 5% or five and a half percent, you exceeded expectations. The difference for what that dollar value can be, let's use a base salary of $100,000, just to use round numbers. At 2%, that's an extra $2,000 a year on your base compensation. At 5%, that's an extra $5,000 on your base compensation. So if you do the math for where that actually breaks down into your paycheck over 24 months, 24 pay periods over the course of 12 months, now you're seeing that exceeds expectations versus does not meet expectations from a base salary impact is not that significant oftentimes. So when you're making the decision as to whether or not you exceed expectations and you want to continue to deliver at that level in your organization, the decision oftentimes on base salary is not really that much of a motivator. So I like to just put stuff in dollars and cents. It could be as little, and I just did some round math, as $41.66 per paycheck. The difference between does not meet and exceeds expectations. For many of us, that's not enough motivation to do anything that is differential or exceptional, right? That may not even, we may not even see that blip happen, to be honest. But if your compensation primarily is based on salary and bonus potential, then there's more to talk about if there actually is a bonus potential. Now, this is not for, specifically for folks who the majority of their compensation is in stocks or is in equity or shares, that's a different dialogue. 
And uh, we'll bring those folks into the conversation a little bit later. Right now, I'm specifically speaking to folks whose primary sources of compensation are base salary and bonus potential, and then maybe some other um, more specific smaller buckets. But if those are the two, base salary and bonus, the year to have a differential performance and the real incentive is going to be in that bonus potential that year. So I want you to think about being really intentional about where you invest your energy because I like to give this example of a four quadrant, right? If you think about four quadrants and how you would evaluate the decision to really lean into an exceptional performance year, there's two variables that come into whether or not it's going to be worth it for you and you're going to evaluate on. It's company performance and individual performance. Company performance and individual performance. That combination is what determines whether or not from a compensation standpoint, you're going to see the benefit of exceeding expectations. If the company is not performing well, but you had your best performance year, unfortunately, that's not going to show up in your compensation. Hot take, big facts. If the company is not performing well and you don't have your best performance year, ultimately, it's not going to show up in your compensation. If the company is performing well and you don't have an ideal performance year, not going to show up in your compensation, or maybe it'll be an average, about an average on par performance year, and it'll show up in your compensation in a way that's not really differential. If the company is performing well and you have a differential performance year, now you'll actually see that show up in your bonus. Now, it still won't show up any more than what I really talked about in your standard merit increase in your base salary, but you may really be able to see a differential impact in your bonus potential. I've seen organizations give bonuses 100%, 110% of what the target is, 140% of what the target is. So that's where you really see the impact. And that's why it only really makes it impactful on a year-to-year -year basis. Because next year, the company performance doesn't match, that bonus is still gonna be small, going back to the previous live. So I really wanted to make sure that we thought about this because when you think about where inflation is now, in some places, inflation is 7 10%. If you're getting a merit increase that's 4 to 5%, that's basically not even keeping up with inflation. You're actually taking home less money this year than you did in previous years where your actual merit increase outpaced inflation. Big facts. So your bonus, if you have bonus potential, that's where you're going to see the differential impact when you have a strong performance year and it shows up on your performance review or performance appraisal and the company performs well. So now you, it teaches us to dial in the company performance, make the two align if you can make the two align where you have your best performance year on a year where the company is also performing well so that that actually can show up in your bonus potential. Now, some people are going to say, I don't have bonus potential. That's not how my compensation is structured. I have other kinds of um, incentives. I got maybe smaller incentives that are not tied to performance. If that's the case, then delivering exceptional performance in your organization isn't incentivized. So you have to decide, are you setting yourself up for a promotion? Are you setting yourself up for negotiating better compensation, a more robust compensation package? 
because total compensation can come from a lot of different places. And I really try to encourage folks to think about total compensation. Side note, I wrote a book, Salary Power Moves, Winning the Compensation Negotiation, specifically for this reason, because I really want to encourage folks, especially women who are thinking about their compensation and salary in a way that is maybe more robust than it's been in the past. The book, Salary Power Moves, Winning Compensation Negotiation, gives some amazing examples and some in-depth guidance for how to navigate um, negotiating for better compensation if it's on the table. So then we're back to the original question. Does exceptional performance pay off? I think you have to choose. If you can align when the company is performing well and you're delivering exceptional performance and you can actually see a compensation benefit as well as you're growing and developing, then it could be a good strategy in order to really enhance your compensation when it comes to a bonus specifically that year. If not, and the company performance can't be aligned, then I think you have a decision to make. We work hard in our organization so that we have the opportunity to have leverage. And when that leverage comes due, then we can take advantage and get that additional compensation that we're potentially looking for. Because oftentimes, companies have a very short memory. If you performed well in 2023 and it was an IOU because company performance wasn't good, in 2024, they're going to be new extenuating circumstances and the company will not remember. <laughs> they will not retroactively appropriately compensate you. I have seen it happen almost never. So it really takes you to be strategic and thoughtful as to whether or not it makes sense for you to invest that additional energy, that additional effort to be an exceptional performer if there is not a compensation payoff for it. And normally that happens in bonus, not directly in base salary. Now you may see something in base salary, but it may not even be noticeable considering merit increases that are below inflation. So, woo, the takes were so hot. Here's the takeaway from this. Number one, company performance has a tremendous impact on merit increases tied to performance appraisals. Tremendous. It cannot be ignored. Number two, individual performance has a big impact, not tremendous, not as big as the company performance on a performance appraisals and compensation tied to it. Number three, thinking about your total compensation and what incentives exist for you to deliver an exceeds expectation type of performance review or performance appraisal. Thinking through that in a thoughtful way to decide, is this really the right year for me to double down and invest that kind of time and energy? Or is a meets expectations sufficient because I'm still right there in the middle and I'm maintaining my time? I'm reclaiming my time. That's a decision that you have to make. And I want you to have everything that you need to be able to make that decision on your behalf. And then four, this one is one that folks, I really want folks to think about. Getting a does not meet expectations on a performance review is an opportunity for you to align as a wake up call. Do I, do myself and the organization, are we on the same page? Do we have the same perspective for where I am, what I'm doing, what value I'm bringing to the organization. If you're not aligned, then getting a does not meet performance review should be just the wake up call you need. Do I get aligned or do I transition out and do something different? The choice is yours. Getting a meets performance expectation, completely normal, almost 
85% of the time, that's going to be what the performance appraisal is. And getting that exceeds really matters when the other stars align and it can be made worth your while. So, woo, y'all don't even understand. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating because I wanted to break this down in a way that felt like folks had the opportunity to really sit in it and apply it to their career and really think about it for next year. What is your goal? What are you looking to get from the organization? And where are you looking to grow? So that you can be thoughtful and decide if I deliver this exceptional performance review, performance appraisal type of year, what does that position me for? And how do I start to prepare myself for those kinds of discussions for whatever it is I want? Additional compensation, promotion, special assignment, international role, integrations, mergers and acquisitions, whatever it is you're looking for in a development space. But I want you to be thoughtful because total compensation is so critical and organizations have very short memories. So what have you done for me lately is normally the flavor of the day. And I want you to make your journey work for you. Each one of us are on our own unique career journey. And I want you to make your journey work for you. Woo, this was a spicy close to the four-part series on performance appraisals. I want to make sure that you take the opportunity to join us. We'll be back with a whole new set of content for you all. But this one specifically is one that I really wanted more folks to have access to. And I want to have more dialogue. If there are questions or things that have come up or even stories that you want to share about your performance appraisal process, please do share them with me. You can find me via email at info at gemsforthejourney.org. That's info at gemsforthejourney.org. My team and I will check your emails there. Or if you're on LinkedIn, you can DM me directly. Send me a note of your performance appraisal experience or any quick questions that you have tied to performance appraisals. It could be just the content that other folks are also looking for. And I use the feedback that you give as a litmus test to decide what content comes first, what content comes second. So hot takes on performance appraisals. It has been amazing to be with all of you today. I am so, so, so excited that we are here. And I have a quick story and I'm going to close with this. Y'all, I got so humbled. Man, I got humbled. I got humbled because I thought that I still had the ability to do some things and I don't. So I have ruptured my Achilles. Yes, I've ruptured my Achilles. I am sitting here today with a boot on and a walker slash scooter sitting next to me. My walker and scooter are named Loretta. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because we are all navigating different phases and stages and experiences in our life. And I'm personally reminded in times like this, when I got humbled because I thought I could still jump double dutch like I did 30 years ago, I thought I still had it and I was going for it. And then my Achilles decided it wasn't going for it. So now I'm in a place where I have to really reflect and think about where I'm investing my time and where I'm investing my energy. And during this time where I don't have the, busy, the ability to be as physically active as I really desire, now I am challenging myself in other ways. So you guys might see me doing all kinds of new, interesting, creative things because I have time. I've been sat down. <laughs> I have literally been sat down. So I'm sharing that with you just to let you know that at this time of the year, I'm grateful for what I do have 
this time of year always reminds me to express gratitude and to be grateful for what does exist because it can always be worse. Please do share this content and make this journey work for you. Your last performance review was solid, but it only came with a small salary increase. I understand, I've been there too. You want to negotiate for more money, but you're not sure where to start. We can help. Get your digital copy of Salary Power Moves Winning the Compensation Negotiation today for just $9.99 at gemsforthejourney.org shop. You'll learn what to put on the table in your negotiation and how to influence the people in your organization to give you additional compensation. Grab your copy today for just $9.99 at gemsforthejourney.org slash shop and learn to negotiate. This was Amma Gordon and Leah Murphy. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode gave you some real gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram and Career Gems for the Journey on LinkedIn. You can also email us at info at gemsforthejourney.org with any questions or comments you may have.